0: You're listening to a sermon from Plus Life, a church that exists to see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will be stirred in your heart and renewed in your mind as you hear the preaching of God's word today. Glad to be in the house of the Lord this evening. Uh, We're going back into our Back to the Basics series this evening, so hopefully you're excited for that and hopefully you have your Bibles. Um, Turn with me to Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12 this evening I hope you've been enjoying this series. I know I've been hearing some good report from uh, some of you that uh, this series has really been impacting your life and getting that fire back again into whether it's reading the word or prayer. And last week, I don't know, for those of you who are here, I don't know if you saw it, but it was an amazing time of prayer after the service. Again, I challenged the the church uh, to pray for one another, and right after I was done talking here, everyone just went their own way and started praying for each other. It was an amazing sight to see, and, and I hope Hope that we continue that culture of prayer here at the church and praying for one another. But with that said, we are going to be jumping to our next topic this evening. So if you have your Bibles, please stand with me to Romans chapter 12. And we'll be reading this entire chapter Romans chapter 12. Thus says the Lord, I, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate or associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in sight in the sight of all. If possible, as so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all Gracious Heavenly Father, we ask that your name would be hallowed in our hearts this evening. That God would have a deep reverence for you and your word once again. So that whatever conviction that you might bring to our hearts, whatever conviction and truth that you might bring to our minds, we would truly repent and change. Oh God, again, we ask that you would remove any clutter, any distractions, any hindrances to our worship of you this evening, to our, our, our listening to you. I pray that you'd make us teachable. I pray, oh God, that you'd not leave us the same after this word, after your service this evening, oh God, and that we would truly have lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, we come humbly asking for your help in all this, asking that you teach us. Please use me as your instrument of peace once again, oh God. In Jesus, your mighty name, we pray these things. Amen and amen. Before you sit down, tell someone beside you, around you, the title of my sermon this evening, Back to Worship. Back to Worship. Back to Worship. Let me start by asking a question. When you hear the word worship, what is the first thing, the first thought that comes to mind? Maybe it's coming to church, or maybe it's the giving of the tithe, or maybe it's serving even. Uh, But, you know, and all of these are many facets of how worship looks like, looks like for sure. But I think more often than not, when we hear the word worship, the thing that comes to mind is the songs that we sing, the music that we congregate and sing as a congregation. Music is a great avenue of worship, indeed, but it's not the only way of worship. It is a good, a good part of it. Um, we know we, we have it's a good biblical pattern of worship. We see it all throughout Scripture how there's even songs written in the Bible. This book, the entire book of Psalms, are all these songs that writers have put together in praise to God. Even in the Book of Revelation, we read. How in eternity to come, we are going to be worshipping God uh, all the, almost all the time, right? Holy, holy, holy is a new song that we'll be singing uh, day and night there in, in, in heaven. So so music is definitely a component of what shapes worship. But again, it's not the entirety of worship. I, rem- I remember the times during the lockdowns, one of the things that people missed the most uh, about church was, and I quote, Worship, right, and I'm I'm sure they're talking more so about singing songs together in person with a live band and the music And I remember feeling the difference when we finally got to come back together in person And we sang these songs and hearing everyone's voices sort of echo around, around the room just as we did a couple of minutes ago and Lifting this this song of praise to a holy God definitely much better than singing by yourself at home in front of a TV in your pajamas, right? And as thankful as I am that we are finally able to sing together and come together for corporate worship in person, I can't help but think that if that's our only concept of worship, we've missed the mark. If our idea of worship is in the context of only singing songs in person with a live band and and the fancy lights, then we've missed the point of worship. If we waited an entire year and a half just to get back together so that we could worship, I think a good question to ask is, well, what have you been doing in that past year? What have you been doing in, in, in the lockdown? Listen, if you are waiting for the right conditions to worship God, to bring praises to God, my recommendation is that maybe you need to go back to what worship truly means, what true worship is. Worship is more than the songs that we sing, or the atmosphere in the room when the lights go dim, or that tingly feeling that we feel when we're in that moment of praise. As we'll see from Scripture tonight... What God is looking for is true worshippers, those who worship in spirit and in truth. Those who can worship whether or not the, it's the song that they like or, and, or there's an atmosphere or an, to experience in worship. As we'll see in scripture, true worshipers are those who can worship despite being thrown in prison despite being persecuted, despite the world per- pressuring them to stop worshipping. True worshipers are those who worship God, not because the setting is just right, but because it is right to worship God. True worshipers are those who understand that worship takes place beyond the church gatherings and overflows into our private lives and into our work lives and every facet of our life outside of these walls. Church, my hope tonight is that we get back To worship. What true worship is. Worship that is more of a lifestyle than a weekend experience. Worship that is wholly dedicated to God. And stems from a wellspring of gratitude. Of who He is and what He has done in our lives. My hope is that if your idea of worship has been limited to this. And what goes on here. And and the things that we do here and the experience you get from it that you would be convicted and that your practice of worship would be refined expanded to a lifestyle of worship listen if you're if you feel like your times in worship whether here singing the songs or congregating with with each other or at home has has grown stale or passionless Maybe it's because you've lost sight of what true worship entails. Why you must worship. Why well, the, the, the reason we have to worship. And I pray that that as we go through the sermon this evening, that all of that would be reignited in you tonight. So let's get back to worship. Everyone, say "get back." All right. I'll take a step back. Calm down. Just... Now in order for us to get back to what true worship is, I think it's important to remind ourselves, as mentioned, uh, you know, as mentioned that worship is a lifestyle. It's not simply contained in the songs that we sing, but manifested in the life that we live. In our passage, Paul begins by saying, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Paul, in this opening verse, alludes to the Old Testament way of worship, offering animal sacrifices to praise God. But instead of offering animal sacrifices, we are to present ourselves as the offering of worship. And not just a part of us, but rather our entire being. Bodies there, and the word bodies there here, is not meant to be taken literal, as in simply our physical bodies, but our mind and heart as well. Hence why Paul says that by offering our bodies for offering, it is our spiritual worship, or more literally, our rational Worship. It is a worship that incorporates not just the physical body, but the mind and the heart as well, the spiritual side of us. Paul also contrasts the the dead animal sacrifices of the Old Testament with the living sacrifices that is in the New Covenant, which we are to offer. He says this in order to point to the idea that our, our entire life as believers is meant to be an acceptable sacrifice to God. Our entire life, not just on weekends for an hour or so, but when we're at home or we're at work or on the commute or in class. Every aspect of our life, even our thoughts and our intentions, are meant to be an acceptable offering to worship or for worshiping God. Listen, if you want to get back to worship, to true worship, you must worship with everything. Worship with everything. From the moment you rise to the moment you lay your head for sleep, everything in between is meant to be an acceptable offering of praise to God. That's what it means to be a living sacrifice. One of my favorite Christian bands from the, the 90s, Casting Crowns, if you've heard of them, wrote a song literally called Life Song. It says, Lord, I give my life a living sacrifice to to reach a world in need, to be your hands and feet. So may the words I say and the things I do make my life song sing, bring a smile to you. Our entire life is meant to be a song of praise, declaring the goodness and the glory of God. That's what true worship is meant to be. We are to worship God with everything. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10.31, we know this verse, Whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. The point is, if even the most basic human functions of eating and drinking are meant to be part of our worship, how much more the rest of our lives? The decisions we make, the things we buy, the things that we do in our leisure time, all of it is to be part of our worship to God, to bring honor and glory to God. Now, in order to truly do this and understand this, I think we need to think in terms of the capacity of our worship and the consistency of our worship. In the Gospel of John, when Jesus has a conversation with the Samaritan woman, the Samaritan woman brings up the differing differing worship preferences between the Jews and the Samaritans. The Jews worship God in Jerusalem, in the temple. The Samaritans like to worship God on the mountain. And for years, these two groups argued about this. And as a result, they reduce the worship of God to a physical location and a cultural preference. And oftentimes, we do the same. I like to worship God in church. Well, I like to worship God at home in the privacy of my car or something. I like to worship God singing hymns. Well, I like to worship God with the newest song. I like to worship God, uh, you know, with with the piano. I like to worship God with the, the organ. I like to hear very loud music. I like to hear very quiet and soft music. We do this all the time. We let our preferences limit our worship to God. And Most of us have a preference when it comes to worship, just like the Jews and the Samaritans. It's so easy for us to boil worship down to a location or a cultural preference or our, our likes and dislikes when it, when it comes to worship, and all the while missing the point of worship entirely. And again, we just reduce the, the, the capacity of our worship by this, by limiting it with our preferences. But I love what Jesus says to this Samaritan woman, who's, who's talking about these, these, these cultural preferences of worship. In John chapter 4, verse 21, Jesus says, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. When Jesus, what Jesus is getting at is exactly what Paul is getting at in our main passage. Worship goes beyond the physical and the external. It must stem from a heart desire. It must bleed into every aspect of our lives. That's what Jesus is getting at when he says uh, to, to this woman that you must worship in spirit and truth. Spirit speaking of what is within us internally as well as ex- externally. Again, worship requires our entire being being involved in the process. Our entire life being part of worship. That's the scope or the capacity of worship. It must encompass our entire life. Not just a, a certain location. Not just in, uh, when, we're, when our preferences are being met. And now when Jesus talks about truth, he also says we must worship in spirit and truth. He's he's referring to a consistency between what we commit externally and our convictions internally. What we do publicly and what we are or who we are privately. Jesus is saying you need to worship in truth. There needs to be a consistency between what you are doing externally for worship. And where you are internally for worship. More more so than that. So understand what the context of this passage is. When Jesus is talking to this Samaritan woman. Remember she just admitted that... She's not living with her husband and that she's had multiple husbands. The, the life that she is currently living is not at all holy in a sense. In fact, what we see is that, you know, Jesus calls her out because this is not a lifestyle that is acceptable to God. Yet, she has the audacity to talk about worship and to talk about her preferences as a Samaritan when it comes to worship. When her, or what's acceptable to God when her own lifestyle was not acceptable to God. There was an inconsistency there. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus calls out the Pharisees for the exact same thing. Matthew chapter 15, verse 7 to 9. And says, he says, you hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, the people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me teaching us doctrines and commandments of men. The Pharisees were just just giving God lip service. Meanwhile, their hearts were elsewhere. And listen, it's the same thing for us. If we come to church on the weekends and we sing these songs, but there's no consistency between what we're singing and the way that we're living on the outside world. What does Paul say back in our main passage? He says, I appeal to you, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So it's not just about worshiping God outside of these walls or, or being consistent with that, but ensuring that our entire life and lifestyle, which is an offering of praise to God, is set apart, pleasing and acceptable to Him as an offering. That's what it means to worship God with everything. To, to, to worship God in spirit and in truth. It requires the, our, our full capacity to worship God. Uh, unhindered by our preferences and the consistency with what we do externally and our devotion internally. You must worship God with everything. Now You might be thinking, well, well how, how do we do that? How do we ensure that there is a consistency with how we live and the worship that we give to God? Well, fortunately for us... Our passage is very practical and even gives us ways to ensure that we offer acceptable worship to God in everything. Look at verse 2 with me. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul is answering that same question of how we get our lives to be holy and acceptable, a holy and acceptable offering of worship to God. And he says, very plainly, don't conform to this world. Don't be molded externally by this world. Don't behave like this world in your public practice, but rather be transformed. Metamorpho, where we get the word metamorphosis from, like how a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. We are to be transfigured, transfigured, be radically changed internally, altered from the inside out. Hence why Paul says that our minds must be renewed. It starts internally. Because once that's aligned, once our hearts are aligned, once our mind and our will is aligned with wanting to live a life of worship to God, then the externals follow. And then Paul goes on to say, assuming that we've taken that step of aligning our hearts and our minds for worship, the Apostle uh, Paul begins to list out and give certain instructions to some practical steps in how we can truly live lives of worship. He says, verse 3, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God had assigned. Uh, some sort of some context here. Paul is writing to a divided church in Rome. The Jewish Christians thought that they were better than the Gentile Christians because of their heritage and their traditions. Uh, meanwhile, the Gentile Christians thought that no, no, we're we're moving past those old Jewish traditions and we're going to follow God our own way. Well, see, and we see throughout the epistle of Romans that Paul is trying to resolve that conflict, right? After concluding his arguments, he gets to this part where he says, stop thinking that you're better than the other group. None of your arguments and your, your traditions and your, pre- your your preferences are conducive to worshiping God and to living a, a life that is holy and acceptable to God. Instead, utilize what God has given to you. He says, to the measure of faith that God has given. A sign. And in verse 4 he says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. He's trying to bring these two groups back, right? These two groups that had conflict because of their worship preferences. Paul goes on to speak about gifts then. He says, if prophecy in proportion to our faith. Verse 7, If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Paul points to utilizing our spiritual gifts as a way to to direct our lives towards worship, in service of God. Now already this tells us that if we truly want to worship God with our lives, and. We must utilize the gifts, the grace that he's given to us. This puts the notion of the worship experience sort of on its head. Because Paul is saying, listen, you don't come to church to experience other people's gifts. You come to church to exercise your own gifts. There's a huge difference. To utilize your gifts for the glory of God and building up His church. That's why we come together here to exercise those gifts. Not to experience some tingly feeling in some feral moment during worship. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 26 says, What then brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. That's why we're coming together. The true worship experience is when all of God's people come together bringing something to build each other up and bring glory to God. That's what what we saw last week. That was a great worship experience. Seeing everyone in their own ability going to someone and praying for them. Ministering to each other, building each other up, encouraging one another in prayer. That's what we are to do as a church. So I guess a very simple to question at this point, right? Are you utilizing the gifts that God has given to you? Are you utilizing the gifts, the grace that God has entrusted to you? What are you bringing to God in worship every time you come through those doors? Are you just after that experience? Rather than wanting to exercise the gifts that God has given you. Now Paul doesn't stop there because it's not just about utilizing our gifts, but how we utilize those gifts. He gives very specific standards as we see in our passage. The one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. There's a standard that is to be met when we serve for worship. When we serve to worship. He goes on to say in verse 9, Let love be genuine Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Paul is communicating a standard of excellence when it comes to our service. Our motive and, and even our outlook. There has to be a standard of worship when it comes to Uh, when it comes to worship there has to be an excellence standard because again we are worshiping to honor a holy god as just as we sang about this evening so if we want to live lives of worship we must worship with excellence worship with excellence worship requires excellence because god deserves excellence the best It's not just about giving, but giving generously. It's not just about showing acts of kindness, but doing so cheerfully. It's not just about avoiding sin, but hating and abhorring evil altogether and clinging to what is good. That's excellence. It's not just about showing honor and respect to one another, but outdoing each other in it. An escalation of a culture of honor and respect for one another. It's not just about saying that we love you, right? You are loved, you are loved, you are loved but to truly, genuinely love and care for one another outside of these walls, outside of this time frame that we have. Church, when we do this, when we utilize the ways that God has gifted us and strive towards building up one another and and, and exclaiming God's glory in excellence, that is true worship. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 to 16. It says, Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Our service to one another with excellence is an offering, a pleasing offering to God. And again, excellence is simply giving our best to God. It's not the best of someone else or or the best of of a gift that doesn't belong to you. Right? God's not asking from you something that you don't have that's not excellence that's extravagance you know we often have that that mentality oh well, let's let's do worship like that big church over there and, and and you know have the lights and the camera and the fog machine and speak in Australian accents that's not excellence that's extravagance God is not asking you to give the best of someone else he's asking you to give the best of what you can offer, what you can give, what you can bring. Whatever skill or talent or ability that God has given or graced you with, use it to the best of your ability and empowered by the Holy Spirit to build up His church and bring praises to Him. Again, you know, we're we're reopened again. And for the longest time, most of us were just at home being sort of just viewers and participating uh, participating in, in you know, the live streams and all this stuff. But now we're back in church. We have this great opportunity to serve. We have this great opportunity to, to start utilizing our gifts again, to be part of, of building up the body of Christ. Are you getting involved? Are you getting plugged in? Are you utilizing the gifts that God has entrusted you with? Now is your opportunity to serve again, to utilize those gifts again. And again, you know, not for plus life in general, but because God deserves it. Because God is worthy of it. So as, as our sister Eden prayed, right? You know, not because we're worthy in any sense, but because God is worthy. Because he is worthy of our praise. So are you utilizing your gifts? Worship of excellence. So back to our passage. So far, Paul goes from charging us to offer our lives as acceptable offerings of worship to God, and he starts and he says that that starts by renewing our mind. Then he gives some practical ways to do this in the church, specifically utilizing the spiritual gifts that we've we've been given in excellence. But then he goes on to how we can truly live lives of worship, even outside of the local. Body, even outside of the church gathering In verse 14 he says Bless those who persecute you Bless and do not curse them Rejoice with those who rejoice Weep with those who weep Live in harmony with one another Do not be hardy but associate with the lowly Never be wise in your own sight Repay no one evil for evil But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all If possible so far as it depends on you Live peaceably with all our lives outside of this church in worship. How we are to interact with unbelievers. And in case you didn't catch it, again, it's still connected into this idea of having, an entire, having our entire life as an acceptable offering to God. Remember how Paul starts this, this, this chapter, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Then how do we do that? Verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In other words, in order for us to become living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, our minds must be renewed, so that we know what is good and what is acceptable, uh, as an offering to God. Then after listing examples of what is good and what is acceptable to God, Paul concludes the the whole interconnected chapter by saying at the very end of that chapter, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now that your minds have been renewed, so that you know what is acceptable and good to God, so that you can live lives of worship, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. All of it is so that the entirety of our lives could be an offering of praise. Even if the conditions around us make it difficult to worship. Here, we hear all the time about, you know, again, setting this atmosphere of worship. Well, how about when there is no atmosphere of worship? How about when people are persecuting you? Can you still worship? How about when when you're you're being thrown into prison? Can you still worship? There's no atmosphere there. True worshipers of God can worship regardless of the conditions or the atmosphere or the hardships. The disciples in Acts were being thrown into prison and they were singing songs to God. Sadly, many Christians around the world will come together and worship this weekend. And despite being hunted down and persecuted even unto death, they'll still worship God. Yet we Christians here in the West have the luxury of complaining, but the lyrics run up on the screen. What have we made worship into? The scenarios that Paul gives us of how to deal with conflict with outsiders, enemies who persecute us, those who... Those who do evil against us, those who, who or even, or, or even when we, can, when it comes to showing compassion to those who mourn, and to rejoice with those who rejoice, or, or to seek peace with everyone. Paul gives these examples not just so that we could be good Christians in a fallen world, but so that our lives would truly be good and acceptable offerings to God. More practically, here's, here's what I believe Paul is getting at. In order to live lives of worship, we are to worship with everyone. Worship with everyone. Every relationship we have in this life, whether good or bad, is an opportunity to bring praise to God. Every interaction we have with unbelievers, whether good or bad, whether in persecution or rejoicing, is a means by which we can exclaim the goodness of God or exemplify our gratitude God when you are mistreated at work forgive in honor of the forgiveness that you have experienced from God when others hurt and grieve mourn with them and honor God who, who cares and who is with us in our own trials when others rejoice even if they don't thank God it's a great opportunity for you to thank God on their behalf when others ridicule you over your faith and the way that you live Rejoice and praise God because Jesus said, blessed are you when others revile and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. All of this, all our interactions in this life, all our relationships is an opportunity to bring glory to God. We are to worship with everyone. So, some questions to ask at this point Church examine your relationships with with others maybe it's your, your relationships with your family members your co-workers maybe it's even when your brothers and sisters here at the church can you truly say that the way you interact with others bring glory to God does your interactions with others, exemplify exemplify the, the love and the forgiveness and the kindness and the gentleness and the truth and the justice of God do your relationships honor God by the standards of scripture and how we relate to one another can you truly say that your life has been holy and acceptable to God a sweet offering to God Ask the worship team to come up as we close our time here. Again, I ask the question, Church: If you were if you were to stand before the Holy God this evening, and you were to present your your life story, every minute that you've been awake and and everything that you've done and everything that you've thought to present it before the Holy God as an offering of praise and gratitude for what God has done in your life, would it be acceptable? Would it be a good and holy offering acceptable to God? Can you truly say that your entire life and everything that you have and everything that that you do and everything that you think, can you truly say that you can offer it to God with much excellence and, and say, God, this is what you deserve. With what you are offering to God today, can you truly say that you are giving your best to God? Again, I'm not talking about, you know, those songs of praise that we sing. Your life outside of these walls, Your relationships here with your fellow brothers and sisters proclaim the glorious reality of God's heavenly family, of the privilege we have to be united by the blood of the Lamb. you truly say that God I'm utilizing the grace I'm utilizing the gifts and the talents that you have entrusted to me for the building up of your people for the furtherance of your kingdom you truly say that everything in your life is for God is to honor God is in worship This worship is this posture of the heart that has truly experienced the goodness of God. The way that, that that Paul starts this chapter is an extension from what he's been talking about and building upon in the previous chapters of Romans. He's just finished talking about how we Gentiles were grafted into the family of God by the mercies of God. How because even though we didn't deserve it, even though we didn't do anything to earn it, God by his grace welcomed us into his family and then again at the end of Romans chapter 11 he, he even concludes with this glorious praise for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever amen that's where this chapter is building from that's where the call of being a, 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 a acceptable offering is coming from. That's where this appeal that Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. That's why we come and worship. That's why we we offer our entire life in worship of God. Because God has demonstrated to us mercies and grace that we did not deserve. And out of the gratitude, out of the the wellspring of our hearts, we honor Him, we praise Him, not just with song, but every fiber of our being. Every second of the day, with every breath in our lungs, we are to live lives of worship to him. Even when it's hard. Even when persecution arises. Even when the circumstances around us are difficult. We are to live lives of worship to him. Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 says your manner of life, be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Worthy of the gospel that saves us. That forgives us of our sins and washes us clean, makes us right before a holy God and welcomes us in. Our lives are meant to be worthy of the gospel. The church can ask you at this time are you living a life worthy the God that we serve and worship. That's what worship is it's declaring the worthiness of God, the worshipship of God, the, of how good He is, and how glorious He is, how faithful He's been, how holy He is. Our lives are meant to declare the praises of God. Let's stand as we enter into the time of. God, we ask for your grace and mercy again, for the ways that we have squandered the talents that you've given us, the grace that you've given us, for the ways that we have lived for ourselves, we ask for your mercy and forgiveness once again, O oh Lord, pray, oh God, that you get our hearts back on track with you, that we are not just honoring you with our lips, but from the depths of our being, our striving in excellence to worship you with every every part of us, oh God. to live a life Aspect of our lives, God, bring us back to what worship truly means. Your expectations from us, bring us back to an excellence of worship. Pray, O God, that You would light a fire in us to utilize our gifts to build. God, we need Your help in this. We you know how prone our hearts are to wander, to stray from Your goodness.
1: And bring us back to the heart of
0: worship. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We hope that you were blessed by the sermon today. If you would like to learn about the gospel or know more about our church, please visit pluslifepeople.com. Remember to subscribe for more content. Until next time, stay blessed.